This is an EM Pulse Heartbeat with your host, Julia Magana. Welcome back to EM Pulse. I am here with an amazing person, an awesome physician and leader in our field in pediatric emergency medicine, Dr. Joe Wright. Joe, thank you so much for taking time to be with us here. I'm really appreciative and excited to learn from you today. Great. Thank you for having me. And I'm delighted to engage in this conversation today. Awesome. Joe, you have, what, five billion titles? (laughs) Would you be willing to just introduce yourself to our audience and share some of your more important titles? Sure, Julia. Well, the most important title, if you will, is I'm a pediatrician. I'm a pediatric emergency physician. In fact, I came up in the first cohort of board-certified, fellowship-trained pediatric emergency physicians uh, in this country. If you look at my um, certificate on the wall that I'm looking at right now, it's number 276 because alphabetically, I was the 276th person um, uh, certified in that board exam back in the day. So yeah, that's my story there. But more recently, uh, I have uh, been a very active member of uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, uh, leadership, and uh, currently I'm a sitting board member, and in fact, uh, am a candidate for AAP president-elect. So um, my day job right now is uh, I serve as a chief medical officer for the University of Maryland Capital Region Health, which is a health system uh, under the University of Maryland Medical System, But being a pediatrician, uh, leading in largely an adult-oriented system has given me a really unique lens. And uh, I I can't tell you how many times uh, with my colleagues, my adult colleagues, I I have to make the point that folks don't wake up in the third and fourth decade of life with with chronic illness. (laughs) That that These seeds are sown in early childhood, and we have to talk about... um, the life course when we talk about all manner of uh, illness. Well, I am super excited because you, while we mentioned before, you have many areas of specialization, but one area that is very near and dear to our hearts at EM Pulse is violence prevention. And that's something that's important to you as well, right, Joe? Absolutely. As I mentioned, uh, my clinical experience through my training and the early part of my time as an attending was really during a very, very uh, heavy period of uh, not only youth violence, but um, penetrating injuries in in kids and adolescents and saw a lot of kids um, sustaining firearm injuries during the course of my early career. Absolutely. Joe, we have talked about on EM Pulse uh, the concept of what is our lane, right? That whole thing on social media came out uh, a couple of years ago about gun violence prevention being not our role, not our lane in a medicine. And Joe, with your experience with gun violence prevention, I just wanted to hear from your standpoint, what would be your response to that idea that this is not our lane? Well, that's a pretty simple answer. Um, If not us, then who? I firmly believe in the translation of what we experience clinically into prevention and policy. And certainly for those of us in emergency medicine, we are the door to the community. 
and what rolls through our emergency departments is reflective of what our young people are experiencing. And certainly when we talk about youth violence, when we talk about firearm injury, these are part and parcel of the threats that young people are exposed to every day. So clearly the responsibility for action, the responsibility to design rigorous prevention programs is uh, rests with us. I mean, we are the ones who are seeing these young people. We are the ones who have been trained to think about intervention. And so again, if not us, then who? We firmly believe that as well. And we've had a chance to explore some youth violence prevention programs on EM Pulse. Joe, tell us from a big picture standpoint, what are some things that we can do as a specialty, pediatric emergency medicine, emergency medicine, pediatrics, how can we help to prevent violence? What are some practical things we can do from a big picture standpoint? Well, Joe, I mentioned the word a moment ago, rigor. And I think it is our responsibility to apply science the public health approach to ensure that our intervention efforts are rooted in the evidence that we know of, but also are designed for sustainability. And what do I mean by that? I'll give you an example of a project that I was involved in as a a newly minted attending many years ago, where we literally wanted to establish in Washington, D.C., a intentional injury surveillance system across all of the trauma centers and hospitals in the city. This work was supported by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and was titled uh, Adolescent Violence, a Community-Based Strategy. And as we all know, uh, you have to define and describe a problem before you can intervene. And this surveillance network, which did not exist, the design of this was a critical first step in in designing subsequent interventions. I share that with you because during the course of that project and that funding, the quote-unquote Dickey Amendment was passed and, of course, put the kibosh on federal funding in this area, which was very, very disappointing for our work. We continue, obviously, that did not deter us, but I mention it because it's important that we establish a baseline in terms of uh, uh, surveillance and epidemiology so that we know exactly how and with whom to intervene and also set up those mechanisms for evaluation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Understanding the scope of the problem will help inform how we can be a part of the solution. Any other tips from like a big picture standpoint? I know you were part of the AAP's recommendations for youth violence prevention. What are some of the high-level points from that recommendation? Again, I I think a valuable lesson that I certainly learned and and, and others in this space is that you can't just be there when for the grant funding. Mm. (laughs) You you can't, the worst thing you can do being involved in community-engaged work is to uh, really only be around when there is funding for your project or the motivation is coming from the institution. And, and uh, so it's important to establish ongoing credibility, regardless of what might be happening in terms of a project or, or, or specific intervention. And frankly, the ability to gain the trust 
and to uh, really work with people at the grassroots level is, is critically important. Presence is important. Uh, we can't just uh, retreat to the ivory tower when our project may not be funded. And again, that's a lesson we learned after uh, the experience of the Dickey Amendment, and, and we just had to be creative and pivot and and find ways to maintain momentum. What about from an individual level? What if you're not involved in a big picture system, but you're working on a shift? What are some things that individuals can do to help with youth violence prevention? There is a body of, uh, of evidence that suggests that even brief interventions in the emergency department space, while not ideal in terms of setting, obviously, can be somewhat of a, of a, of a chaotic and disoriented setting uh, to actually um, do brief interventions. But it's a place to start. It's a place where we can plant the seed and be trained to, quite frankly, plant the seeds of, of prevention and intervention. I, I, I know that there are projects at your institution, for instance, that engage young people at the point of initial contact and then follow up in the community, in their space, and continue to do so in an ongoing fashion. These are maybe brief interventions that that initiate the contact, but it's important to get started. And the emergency department, in my view, is a uh, available environment in order to do that. And, and, and certainly I would encourage those who are interested to learn the techniques of uh, brief interventions that can facilitate engagement and frankly support ongoing community-based interventions down the line. Do you have any tips for clinicians to help violently injured youth feel more comfortable in the emergency department? You mentioned that this can be a very stressful and disorienting moment. What can we do to help with that moment? Yeah, you know, I've learned a great deal from our adolescent medicine colleagues in, in terms of just some of the simple communication techniques, uh, being non-judgmental, um, really disarming the power imbalance that young people may feel in an emergency department engaging with a, uh, a provider. And, and I think becoming skilled at some of those communication techniques in real time can uh, serve, again, to institute or initiate those kinds of brief interventions in the ED in real time that then link to ongoing efforts around uh, mentorship, ongoing efforts around support for young people. And I want to make one point here that I, that I think is important for us to all learn. These this work is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And um, some of the projects that I've been a part of have been too short. And when we talk about understanding the developmental cadence for young people, it's important to be there in an extended fashion. And, and uh, if I had any word of advice for someone who is designing a project, an intervention project right now, these have to be marched out over literally months, if not years, to really help young, help these young folks. Joe, you have been in this work for many, many moons now. Do you have any other tips for those that are fighting the fight uh, for injury and violence prevention? Do you have any other suggestions for them as they start their programs? 
Yeah, I I would uh, encourage people to to really stick to the work, uh, and I, I say that because the uh, again as an early career uh, person to have the very sobering uh, kibosh on our our funding uh, that the result of Dickey Amendment um, was 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 uh, was a little disheartening, and and I would encourage folks. Um, my, my first appearance before Congress, in fact, was to testify um, uh, against lifting of the assault weapons uh, ban, and that was uh, that was nearly 30 years ago. And so, so what I've experienced over that time uh, is the need to continuously reboot our messaging, continuously reboot our advocacy, continuously reboot our approach. In fact, the American Academy of Pediatrics is an example of an organized medicine group that has evolved its approach. And uh, we have clearly moved from total uh, ban to recognizing that we really need to approach prevention from the standpoint of protection and, and separation of children from the threat. And this is uh, the only way that we're going to be able to broaden the tent and to, to get the kinds of collaboration that we need in order to make ultimate impact. Joe, I feel like I could talk to you about anything, uh, and we will probably have you back on the podcast because you have such a broad career from pediatric readiness to racism as a public health problem and youth violence prevention that we talked about. I do have a question for you, though, Joe. What are you most proud of in your career as you look back? Oh, my. Well, you know, at the end of the day, I I started my journey as a community-based primary care pediatrician in my old neighborhood. I was actually part of the uh, National Health Service Corps back in the day and literally uh, managed a um, patient-centered medical home. Again, in my old hood, I was around the corner from my great-grandmother, had lunch with her uh, on occasion. And, and, and so that touchstone has driven literally everything that has occurred since. And so, you know, really having as a grounding that perspective of what matters at the grassroots Many of those kids were kids of, of kids I grew up with. And I'll leave you with this. <laughs> uh, one of my continuity patients, believe it or not, back in the day, is now been through a pediatric emergency medicine fellowship and is a newly minted attending. I had a chance to catch up with her a couple of years ago and just communicated with her as part of my campaign the other day. And, and you know, if that's not full circle, I don't know what is. So. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for your time here. We really appreciate you and what you're doing for those kids out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 